first and then um, commit this time to the Lord. Our God, you are so great. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are worthy of all our praises, O Lord. Because you have loved us so much. Even before we love you, you have shown and expressed your great love toward each one of us, O Lord. We thank you for the salvation, the grace, the faith, the gift of eternal life, the opportunity to study your Bible, the opportunity to sing songs, especially Christmas songs nowadays, the opportunity to tell people about our Lord, the opportunity to have fellowship one with another. Thank you for everything that you've given us, O Lord. And we thank you also for all the trials and as well as the blessings. Because through the trials, you have matured us. You have developed patience, perseverance in each one of us. There are some here, or perhaps all of us here, have encountered some kind of fear or discouragement, anxieties or worries this past year or perhaps the last few years, Lord, of the pandemic. But we are so thankful that you have brought us back into normality, O oh Lord. Although we still struggle with some issues in our life, you are still here and you promise us your presence always. And we know that you will never leave us or forsake us. So Lord, we continue to live up to you, our brother Aaron and our brother Devin, O oh Lord, as they continue to recover, to go back into the normal situations of their life. And I pray, Lord, that all of us will continue to pray for them and also pray for one another because we need each other's prayer, Lord. Lord, continue to guide us not only throughout this month of December and the rest of this year, but help us, Lord, to see the next year, Lord, as another opportunity, Lord, to serve you and to tell people that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. So Lord, be with us now, Lord, and prepare our hearts as we also go through the Lord's Supper, Lord, after this message. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Title of the message is How to Have a Healthy Fear of God. We know in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is mentioned many, many times, especially in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, even in the book of Job. The fear of the Lord is always mentioned as the beginning of knowledge. It's the origin, the source, the starting point of having not knowledge, not intellectual knowledge, but a personal and intimate knowledge of the Lord God himself. So we usually listen to those lectures and messages about the fear of the Lord. But the problem is that we don't know how to develop that kind of fear of God. Because there's the fear of God that could be unhealthy also. Sometimes we are so fearful that we don't want to connect with Him because we feel that He's a terrible God, that He would always punish us and discipline us. Although the word fear or the fear of the Lord has two meanings in the Bible, both positive and negative, we must understand that there is a balance in that fear of the Lord. And God wants us to have a healthy expression of that fear of the Lord. What's the positive side of the fear of God? The positive side is that 
we give him the reverence, the awe, the admiration, the worship that he deserves. That is a positive thing. And there's not much any problem doing that. The, negatives, the negative meaning of the word fear of the Lord is really being afraid because he's going to punish us or discipline us or to inflict pain upon our life. For many people in the Old Testament, especially the Israelites and their enemies, the word fear of the Lord is really on the negative side. But for us modern-day Christians, we do not dwell so much on that negative aspect of the fear of God, but more on the positive fear of God. And that's why we are here today. We are here to worship Him. We are here to give Him the reverence and the respect that only He deserves. Especially nowadays, as I've said last week, when we started our first Christmas song, nowadays and the past many years of our life, Jesus Christ has not been the center of attention or the reason for this Christmas, at least for the world. It's all about the gifts. It's all about Santa Claus. It's all about parties in the workplace, get-together, reunion among family members. But there's no even a focus or a center, a centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ in those gatherings. That's why they, year in and year out, we all, when, especially during December, we emphasize the importance of Jesus Christ, that He is the reason for the season. And not only for the reason, the reason for every moment of our life. He is the reason. And that's why we don't want to just sing Christmas songs from September to December, but we can sing actually those Christmas songs every day of the year. It may seem strange, but all Christmas songs are expressing our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And especially, as you all know, the, the, sing, the song that we sang a while ago, Joy to the World, is not essentially a Christmas song because it's a reference to the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 1,000 reign of Jesus Christ, because it's joy to the world. There will be a rule of the, war, of the world with truth and grace. Because as we all know right now, the, this world is not being ruled with truth and grace. It is ruled with falsehood, with lies and cruelty. If you were, you were born about probably in the 50, 40s, 50s, 60s, and perhaps in the 70s, you have seen that this world is not the same as the world that we live in during that time. During that time, morality is at a very high level. Right now, morality is down the drain. It's in the garbage, it's in the trash. Morality is no longer based on the truth of the Bible. North America, this continent, the United States and Canada, the foundation of these two nations was the Bible. The Bible was the foundation of these two nations. But right now, the Bible is thrown out of the school system. No more prayer, no more, no more Bible, no Ten Commandments even outside the courts. So what has happened to this world? Just like what the Bible tells us, this world is deteriorating. And included with that was morality, spirituality. 
right now those who are cl climate change proponents you know uh, just this week when the G20 nations had the summit they talk about the climate change and they're planning to go to Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given by God and they said they're going to have the Ten Commandments of climate change can you imagine that the Ten Commandments of climate change there's no more regard for the word of God. It's all about the word of men. And that's why we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Even among some Christians, the fear of the Lord is already losing its grip. We don't respect him as he should be respected. So how do we have a healthy fear of God? And that's our focus this morning as we look at Psalm chapter 33. Because of all the fears, as I've said a while ago, we have the fear of the Lord, we have the reverence of the Lord, but all throughout those two spectrums, we have the fears in our hearts, worries and anxieties that trouble us every day and every moment of our life. And it's very hard to overcome all those kinds of fears. Sometimes we don't have the strength, the mental fortitude in order to overcome by all those fears. So what we need to do is to focus on what God has given us. Focus on the blessings of God and rejoice in Him and Him alone. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice evermore. First Thessalonians chapter 5 tells us, focus on, the, on God's blessing because there are times that instead of focusing on what God has given us and what God has blessed us, we are focusing on the negative things. Last time in, in our gym night, in my group, I asked my group to meditate on Psalm, uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, which tells us that finally brethren, whatever is True, noble, uh, worthy, and all, all excellent praises. I don't remember everything, but everything that is positive, that is honorable in the eyes of God. Think on all those things. Meditate on those things. Because if we meditate more on our fears, then we will be pulled into that direction. But if we meditate on God's goodness, we will be pulled into God's goodness. And we will be joyful and cheerful people. So our main point this morning is this, so that fear will not overwhelm us, okay? Not the fear of the Lord, but any other kind of fear, so that it will not overwhelm us, we need to maintain a healthy fear of God, especially during difficulties. So let's turn to Psalm 33. We'll start at verses six to nine. And here we see that in order to have a healthy fear of God, we need to stand in awe of Him as our Creator. Psalm 33, verses 6, and nine, two, 6 to 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. So take note there. How were the heavens and even this earth were created? It's by the word of the Lord. Remember in Genesis 1, when God says, let there be light, what happened? There was light. Instantly, there was no delay. 
And we must remember that the word spoken by God in Genesis 1 was not just mere words that we express, but that word is a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we all know, John chapter 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when God the Father says, Let there be light, that Word that came out of His lips was the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was there in the time of the creation. All the hosts of the heavens by the breath of His mouth. What, what is this host? The heavenly bodies, the stars, the comets, the planets. They were made by the breath of his mouth, by his spoken word. Many people would think, right, especially scientists, uh, whether they are believers or not, they cannot explain how can all the planets be aligned and be rotating around the sun and all those heavenly bodies will be maintained in, in their proper position, without colliding with one another. And of course, our explanation is that there is gravitational force. But where did that gravitational force come? It's from the Lord. Without Him having that gravitational force that prevents planets and heavenly bodies from colliding, colliding then all of us will be destroyed already because of those collisions. And many scientists who are unbelievers cannot understand that. How can something that is very systematic and organized be coming from the Big Bang Theory? The Big Bang Theory, what, the reason why it's still a theory because they can never prove it as a law. It's still a theory. It's still a concoction of their mind. That's something that they cannot prove. But everything that happens in our, in our world right now can be explained by the presence of an intelligent person. And that intelligent person is our Lord God himself. You know, there are, they said that there are billions and billions of stars and perhaps galaxies. And no one has still um, seen all those galaxies. Because they will probably... We will reach probably thousands and even millions of years before we reach those galaxies. That's how vast the creation of the Lord God. We are still in this uh, galaxy called Milky Way, and this Milky Way galaxy has not been explored by people. People are trying to go to Mars, and perhaps they, they're saying that perhaps in the next few years, people can um, inhabit the moon and stay there for a long time, establish some business there, some centers, and so on. But that's not possible, because the Lord God said in his Bible, earth was created by God to be inhabited by human beings and no other place in this universe can be inhabited by man, but only this earth that we live in, because this is the most appropriate place for all of us human beings. And that's so sad because many people don't believe in the Bible. So the starting point for all of us is to stand in awe of God as our creator. In verse 7 it says, He gathers the waters of the sea together as an heap. He lays up the depth in storehouses. This reminds us of the Red Sea. 
moment. Remember the Red Sea moment when the people of Israel together with Moses were fleeing from the Egyptians and the Pharaoh. And in front of them was the huge Red Sea. And they can be drowned. And if they go back, the soldiers of the Pharaoh will kill them all. So they are in a big struggle. They are under pressure. So what did God do? God used Moses in order to part the Red Sea. And they're able to cross the Red Sea. Another incident that happened was during the time of Joshua. When they needed to travel and cross the River Jordan. The River Jordan during the time was overflowing in its banks. And God did again a miracle. He parted the River Jordan so that they can cross the River Jordan and go to the land of Canaan. And God had done so many other miracles, perhaps in your life, in my life. One thing that is very important, the very important miracle that God had done into our life is the miracle of salvation. The miracle of salvation. God created each one of us, but the salvation is the most cherished gift that we should celebrate not only during Christmas time, but every day and every moment of our life. We need to thank God for our salvation. It's a miracle. It's a miracle for any one of us to get to know personally and intimately our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because God is our creator. Look at verse 8, same chapter, 33. Let all, if all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. What was the proper response to a creator who loves us so much? The creator who created everything by the power of his word. To fear the Lord. And it's all not only the believers, not only the chosen people of Israel, but it says, let all the earth, let all the inhabitants of the world. And here in verse 8, you can see the fear of the Lord is synonymous to standing in awe of him. So verse 8 says, let all the earth fear, and then the next statement, let all the inhabitants stand in awe. So the word fear of the Lord here means to stand in awe of him. When we stand here, when I stand here, I stand in awe of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that song, right? I stand, I stand in awe of him. Because when we stand or when we sit, when we are here in this building, when we have fellowship, we know that everything is under God's control. And we not only admire him, just like any other person, but we adore him. That's why one of the Christmas hymns says, Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. He's awesome. He's the only person that is awesome in this world. And we need to stand in awe of him as our creator. Let's go back to the first five verses of this chapter. And let, me see, let us see here how else we can stand in awe of him as creator. Okay, in verse 1, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for grace is comely for the pride. So we stand in awe of him practically by rejoicing. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. And then verse, verse 2, Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. If you know how to play musical instruments, use musical instruments in order to play your praises to the Lord. And then verse 3, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. So, God did not want us to just be so quiet and to be silent when we sing. Sometimes we need to sing with a loud noise because we are singing the songs that express our relationship to God. And then verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. What do we sing? What do we play? We play the word of the Lord and His good works. The good works that He has done. And that's the essence of the Christian songs that we sing here every Sunday morning. We reiterate and emphasize the importance of God's great work in our life and in this world. And then verse 5, Psalm 33, He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. He loves righteousness. He loves judgment. Even though right now there's so much evil, and as we all know, crime is so much higher than in the previous years. We know that this earth is still filled with the goodness of the Lord. Rather than dwelling on the worst things that are happening in our life, why don't we dwell on the goodness of the Lord? Because despite all these things that are happening, the struggles, the challenges, the tribulations, God is still good. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. That's one thing that will never change. God is always good. Secondly, in verses 10 to 15, we need to submit to God's plan as our Lord. Submit to God's plan as our Lord. Verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. What, who are the heathen? The heathen are the pagan, believe, pagan people. Those who don't believe in God. Those who fall down and bow down into worshiping the idols. And God says here, even though they make plans, even those people who are proponents of climate change, they will make their Ten Commandments of climate change, God will defeat their purposes and their plans. And the, for the past two years, and perhaps this coming 2023, the World Economic Forum are still forcing their great reset, great global reset. If God says, I don't like that, I don't want that to happen, then God will stop that. No one and nothing can withstand the plans of God in our life and the plan of God for this world. We must remember that God's plan will always stay. It will stand. No matter what we do. If God is calling you to serve Him into full-time ministry or to reach out to another person in your townhouse complex, in your apartment, in your neighborhood, God will continually prompt you through the power of the Holy Spirit to follow His commandments. 
to follow His calling upon your life. Because if you don't, you will experience so much trouble. God will always pull you into the direction that He wants you to go to. And He's going to use situations and people in order to put you into that right direction. In verse 11, verse 12 says, or verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. What is written in the Bible, the counsel of God, the word of the Lord, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22 to 21, will be fulfilled. Will be fulfilled. Not only the rapture, the tribulation period, the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ, and even Satan and his demons going down to the lake of fire together with the false prophets, the Antichrist, and all who are unbelievers whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. All of those things will happen. Everything that we read and study and meditate on the Word of God will be fulfilled. Because God is perfect. God says, whatever I say, it will be fulfilled. In verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You want to be truly blessed? The Bible says, you need to have God as, as your Lord. You need to be his child. You need to be one of his people. That's true blessing. The mere fact that you belong to God and God loves you so much and he includes you into his kingdom, you are blessed already. Because in the world that we live in, they will say, oh, you are blessed because you have a beautiful house. You are blessed because you have, you have beautiful cars and houses. You have lots of possessions. You have lots of gifts coming this Christmas. But that's not real blessing. The real blessing is a relationship with God. And that's why if you are not here, if you are here today, and your God is not the Lord God of the Bible, then you need to think about that. You need to think about that. Because you will not be truly blessed if God is not your Lord. So how can you make God your Lord? The Bible says you need to admit that you are a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. By Adam and his sin, back in Genesis chapter 3, sin entered into this world. And because of sin, death came to everybody. And that's physical death. But there's a more important death that will come to each one of us, and that is spiritual death. Not many people, not all people, can be spared from those, that kind of death, the spiritual death. And you, if you want to spare from the spiritual death, the, the Bible says you need to turn away from your sin and turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was the man, the person God has appointed to die on the cross for your sins and my sins, for the sins of the whole world. You don't need to do anything like good works, or attend church in order to be in heaven. But you need to accept the gift of eternal life. 
that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on His name, and the Bible says, you will be saved. God promises salvation to those who will call on the name of Jesus Christ. Believe that He died on the cross and that He was resurrected on the third day. And if you make that decision, the Bible says, then the God of the Bible is your Lord. Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Master. And now you have the greatest blessing that any person in this world could ever have. Verse 13, The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of them, sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. You know, this is interesting. Verse 13, 14, when someone will um, read this, the Lord looks from, he beholdeth, he looks upon all of us. Some people would say, is God looking upon us as if he's waiting for us to trip, to stumble, to fall? So that when we fall, he will just laugh at us and mock us? No. The word look here that doesn't mean that he's watching us like a hawk. The Lord look here means he is showing and expressing his concern for each one of us. He's being watchful because he has a caring heart. He has a heart that grieves because of the sin in our life. Whether you're a believer or not, the Lord is watching over each one of us because he is concerned. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be in his good side. He wants us to experience his goodness and his faithfulness in our life. That's how he look upon us. Because sometimes when we look upon other people, we look with a judgmental mindset. Right? Oh, this person, perhaps this person will not be saved. He doesn't look like someone who will come to know Jesus Christ. But the Lord looks at everyone as someone who is a potential for coming to know Christ. So the same with all of us. When we look at other people, we should not look down on them. We should not judge them or accuse them or condemn them right away. But tell yourself, this is the person that God wants to be saved. And my heart towards this person should be just like the Good Samaritan, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who saw all people with so much compassion that he had teary eyes. And when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, his tears were tears of blood because he was grieving and he was sorrowful over all our sins. The same with all of us. We need to be grieving over the sin, our sins, and also the sin of all the people in the world. Rather than condemning them right away, ask the Lord, Lord, will you give me a compassionate heart so that I will tell this person about my Savior? I want him to be with me also up there in heaven to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. In verse 15, the Bible says, He fashioned their hearts alike. He considered all their works. You know, that's an interesting word, fashion. He's the one who forms our hearts. Whatever your heart desires right now, 
you need to surrender at surrender that to the Lord. Because he is the one who can fashion, who can change, who can reform your hearts. Remember the Bible says our heart is so deceitful and it's wicked above all things. Who can search it? Who can know it? And the following verse tells us the Lord is the one who can know and search and try our hearts. So if you are here today, you are being tempted to choose your own way rather than the way of God, then you better make the right decision. And the wise decision is choose the way of God. Because as you all know, if we insist on our way rather than God's way, we go into trouble. Definitely, we'll be into tr in trouble. But we, if we are choosing always the way of God, even though sometimes there's pain, there's sorrow, there's some challenges, but if we are following the way of God, then we know that God is walking with us side by side. And that's the most important thing. Because when we are choosing our own way, God can never be by our side because He never tolerates sin. He never tolerates compromise. He never tolerates our own way. He wants His only way because His thoughts and His ways are always higher than our thoughts and our ways. So we better follow God's ways. Now let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Here we see the importance of following the way of God. Because otherwise, if we choose our own way, then we will surely fail, as I've said a while ago. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So you see here in Proverbs 9, 10, you see that the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God are synonymous again. And how can we have the knowledge of God? We have the Bible. And the Bible is our way. It's the basic instruction before leaving earth, many people would say. It's the GPS, God's positioning system. When we use the GPS in our car, sometimes we are being rerouted. Sometimes we go into different direction. This is not the address that I input into this GPS, right? But when we ask God, He will never lead us astray. He will lead us into the right direction all the time. But there's a condition. You need to follow His way, not your own way. And in Proverbs 16, Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Do you want to have a successful life in the eyes of God? Surrender everything in your heart to the Lord God. And everything, not only your thoughts, but your plans, will be under His control. And if everything is under His control, then you will be sure, you will be certain, that you will be successful in His eyes. Now let's go back to Psalm 33, verses 18 to 22. We'll drop down to 18 to 22. The last thing that we need to do in order to have a healthy fear of God is to surrender to Him as our provider. Surrender to Him as our provider. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His 
mercy. Okay? The eye of the Lord again is as if God is again looking and watching us with a concerned look. And who are the people that is always upon his watchful eyes? There are two things here that verse 18 tells us. Those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Those who worship him. Those who expect from him and his mercy. When I read this uh, phrase, those who hope in, in his mercy, I remember the, the prayer of the publican, the tax collector in Luke chapter 18. Remember, there were two people who prayed in the temple. One was the Pharisee. The one was the publican or tax collector. What was the prayer of the Pharisee? Actually, the Bible says he was praying to himself. He was not praying to God. Although God can hear him, God was not inclining his ear to him. Why? Because he said, Lord God, I am good. I type all things. I fast three times a week. I'm a good guy. That's why you deserve to give me so much blessing. And then he said, the worst thing that he did was that, I'm not like this publican. Sometimes we are like that, right? God, I'm so good, I'm so righteous, I'm saved, but I'm not like this other person in my workplace. He or she is so wicked. I'm much better than her. But you know what the tax collector, the publican said when he was praying in the temple? He cannot even look to heaven. His head is bowed down like that and he said, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's the picture of a person who is hoping in God's mercy. A person who said, Lord, be merciful to me because I am a sinner. I don't deserve you, Lord. I don't deserve your grace, but I need your mercy. Because without your mercy, I will not be saved. I will not be delivered from my sins, and I will not be delivered from my eternal destination in hell. I want to be in heaven. So I'm hoping in your mercy. Now in verse 19, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. So this verse is talking about providing for God's people. Many of you can testify perhaps for this past many years of the pandemic until now, especially with the supply chain problem in the past, God never failed to provide for our needs. God never failed to provide for your needs. When sometimes you're at the end of your rope, when you take a look at your wallet, there's no more cash there. You look into your ATM, bank machines, it says zero, zero, zero. But lo and behold, when you keep praying to the Lord and you keep hoping in His mercy, he delivers you from those problems. He gives you what you need. He provides for you. Because he is the great provider. And the Bible says, he is your Jehovah Jireh. And that phrase, Jehovah Jireh, was mentioned during the time of Abraham when he was sacrificing Isaac. God, Abraham said, and because actually Isaac was asking Abraham, where's the lamb? My father, Isaac never thought that he would be the sacrificial offering to God. 
But the, but the Lord, uh, but Abraham said to Isaac during that time, God will provide himself. Take note of that. The King James said, God will provide himself. So God himself will be the sacrificial offering. Again, antedating the prophecy about Jesus Christ being the sacrificial lamb for all people in the world. If God can provide for our salvation, can he not provide for us whatever we need? Let's turn to Romans 8.32. Just remember this right now. And these are very important because um, verse because the book, the uh, Roman believers during the time of the apostle, they have struggles because of the Roman Empire. And the apostle Paul gave them this very important passage, Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If, if God has given us his only begotten son, for our salvation, will he not provide for us what we have, whatever we need? And the Apostle Paul had the same testimony. And my God will, will meet or supply all your need according to his glory in Christ, riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So God will provide as long as you hope in him and him alone. Now going back to Psalm 33, verse 21, for our heart of verse 20, our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. From our heart, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. While we wait for God's provision, the main problem for many people is waiting. The waiting part is so hard. The waiting part. Because when we ask the Lord for something, we want to it to happen right away, instantly, immediately. But you know, the, Bible, the, the, the Lord God is not always that. Most of the time, He's not like that. He sometimes, sometimes in our mind, He's delaying something. He's tarrying, especially the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many people are actually mocking modern-day believers. Where is the promise of His coming? Is there, is there a delay or probably He forgot about His promise? We must remember that God is a timeless God. He is not bound by time. He's timeless. So for him, there's no delay. There's no going ahead of plan. His plan is always in his perfect time. And when we pray to the Lord, we need to continue to wait unto the Lord. Let's turn to Isaiah 40 verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Some of you probably have highlighted this passage in your Bible because this is a very important passage that we need to remember. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The word wait here means to hope. If we are hoping in the Lord, no matter whether the answer will be one year from now or two years from now, even ten years from now, we will continue to wait expectantly from Him. And the Bible says here in 4031, you will not be weary, you will not be fainting, but you will continue to run. Remember running the race? Remember we are in a marathon race? 
If we are hoping in the Lord, we see Jesus Christ at the end of the finish line, we will not give up. We will not quit, but we will continue to run. We will walk and not faint. We will not be weary. Because our motivation is Jesus Christ. Our motivation is not anybody in this room or in this building. It's not me. It's not your family member, not your spouses. But the Lord Jesus Christ who is waiting for you there, smiling before you. It could be very, very far from here, but you can see him at the end of the finish line, waiting to embrace you. And lastly, Psalm 27, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I know some of you also likes this verse very, very well. Psalm 27, 13, 14. Psalm 27, 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So you see the key? When we wait on the Lord, he may not answer our prayers right away, but he will give us the strength that we need in order to continue to run the race. Finally, I'll give you a three-point application. So please write this down and apply this into your daily life. So we don't need to turn to these passages. So number one, this coming week and all throughout um, this Christmas time, read Psalm 19. Because Psalm 19 is an expression of our worship towards the worship of God and the worship of the Word of God. In verses 1 to 6, you can see there the importance of adoring and worshiping God. And in verses 7 to 11, you will see there the importance of worshiping the Word of God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verses 12 to 14 tells us what should be our response. So let's turn to, uh, let, let me just turn to Psalm 19 so that I can give you the response that God expects from us Psalm, in Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. Okay? Remember, this was King David who wrote this passage. 12 to 14. Who can understand his errors? Referring to the man. Cleanse thou me from, this, from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Then verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So what will be the response as we worship God and we worship the word of God? Our, our response is to be humble before him, to admit that we are sinners, and to ask God to search our meditations our verbal expressions that they may be pleasing in the sight of God. So work on that this week. Pray that your meditations, your thoughts, and even your verbal expressions will always be pleasing in God's sight. Then secondly, reflect on Exodus chapter 34, verse 10, which, is, which shows to us God's important nature. Okay? So you, need, you don't need to turn to that. I'll just read this passage to all of us. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. The Bible says, 
And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people, I will do marvels. So God says, I'm going to do some miracles, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Write down some wonders and awe-inspiring things that God has already done in your life, especially this past year, 2022. And in the next year, expect Him to do more miraculous things in your life as you continue to obey Him. And then lastly, surrender your plans to God. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Trust Him with every detail of your life. And remember, God will never let you and I down. He will never let us down. He wants us to continue to trust Him. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that we will continue to have a healthy fear of God as we not only meditate and study your word, and as we, but also when we apply your very word into our life. Help us, Lord, to always stand in awe of you as our creator, to surrender to you, Lord, as our Lord, and to always make you as our provider, because we know, Lord, that you have been providing for all of us. Help us apply the, the lessons that we have learned this morning. Help us, Lord, to continue to be in awe of your creation, to be in awe of your word, and to respond appropriately to that kind of adoration of you, O Lord. Help us, Lord, to always trust you, knowing that you will never fail us and you will never let us down. Help us, Lord, to always remember the good works that you've done in our life this past year, and we know that we can expect more from you this coming year to 2023. And Lord, be with us now as we prepare our hearts to commemorate the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.